Hey listeners, Debatable is now available for streaming and download on actionagogo.com. Derek Scarzella and Troy Jeffrey Allen, once and future Debatable podcast guests, along with a slew of great writers, have made actionagogo.com one of the best online destinations for pop culture journalism and news coverage. Films, comics, games, if you need your geek fix, AAGG is the place to go. Nowhere else can you find their unique flavor of writing and commentary about the entertainment world you care about. Debatable's media-centric episodes will have a second home there now, and I hope you will go over there and check out the site, uh, stream and download the episodes, and certainly read all the great articles that they have up. That's actionagogo.com, A-C-T-I-O-N-A. A-G-O-G-O dot com, actionagogo dot com. The Debatable Podcast is available on Tumblr, that's debatablepodcast.tumblr.com, and also on iTunes. Uh, I am Mr. Greggles, M-I-S-T-E-R-G-R-E-G-G-L-E-S, and our show is Debatable Pod, both of those on Twitter. You do know how to spell debatable, don't you? I hope at this point you do. Okay. So tell me again about the hash bar. Okay, what you want to know? Hash is legal there, right? Yeah, it's legal, but it ain't 100% legal. I mean, you just can't walk into a restaurant, roll the joint, and start puffing away. I mean, they want you to smoke in your home or certain designated places. And those are hash bars. Yeah, it breaks down like this, okay. It's, it's legal to buy it, it's legal to own it. And if you're the proprietor of a hash bar, it's legal to sell it. It's legal to carry it, but, but, but that doesn't matter, because get a load of this, all right. If you get stopped by a cop in Amsterdam, it's illegal for them to search you. I mean, that's the right that cops in Amsterdam don't have. Oh, man. I'm going. That's all it is to it. I'm fucking going. <laughs> no, baby. You dig it the most. But you know what the funniest thing about Europe is? What? It's the little differences. I mean, they got the same shit over there that they got here, but it's just, it's just there. It's a little different. Example. All right, well, you can walk into a movie theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like a little paper cup, I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy a beer at McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? Oh man, they got the metric system, they wouldn't know what the fuck a quarter pounder is. And what do they call it? They call it uh, Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What do they call a Big Mac? Well, Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. Le Big Mac. <laughs> What they call a whopper? I don't know. I didn't go on a Burger King. Get down, 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 get down.
Joseph, how are you? I'm good. How are how's, you doing, Gregory? How's it, how's it going, man? <laughs> Pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Uh, am I officially talking to the bearded Joe, uh, <laughs> or am I talking to, to a man that's clean-shaven? You are not talking to the bearded Joe. You're talking to the beard itself. Yeah, okay? Fear there you go. The beard. There you go. It's like a, it's like a go between. It's like, it's like your, your manager. I got it. Exactly. The beard, the beard gets fifteen percent, unless I shave it, in which case it gets ten. I like it, man. Um, let me make sure everything is set up and recording because that would be a goddamn shame to yeah talk truly to. it would be like that breaking bad podcast <laughs> oh you oh you oh you you have a little bit of knowledge about that <laughs> dude it's the kubrick's napoleon of podcasts of course i know about it <laughs> did uh did uh anybody talk to you when you were down at uh alabama phoenix fest about it i heard that uh some people uh might have pissed aj off uh, n- not so much pissed him off, but there was definitely some bitching. <laughs> and, fr- and from what I understand, rightfully so, because that sounded like an amazing podcast. Oh, we had such a good time, man! It was like yeah. you, you, you know, you, you're, you're, um, yeah. It's right after Breaking Bad ends, and we, we're yeah. all like on that wavelength. We all have things to say. It was like the perfect, like exhaustive get everything vent everything that you that that's on your mind get it all out right. one of those podcasts it, it felt so good when we were done like eric and 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 even aj just like yeah that was so perfect and then 15 minutes later lost I, to the sands of internet <laughs> eric had to break the news to me because i think aj was too scared to tell me <laughs> Because <laughs> I I was a little bit of an emotional uh, person about that. I was not too happy. Yeah, uh, understandable. It, it sounds like a depressing situation. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe you'll jump back into the wayback machine one day and redo day. it. I I have this deep down like fantasy i sometimes dream about that uh aj is gonna find it like deep in some temp folder on his hard drive (laughs) and it's gonna be like guys you won't believe what i found and that'll be the day that i quit podcasting because that's the best podcast (laughs) that can ever exist once it's out there um once aj becomes the jesus of podcasting (laughs) he's already starting you guys got you're on a new podcast with him he's starting his own like network basically yeah yeah he's gonna be the nerdist he is gonna be the nerdist (laughs) yeah smoke gets in your ears it's been it's been a lot of fun so far you've got you guys have done uh how many episodes three four yeah, th- uh, three, and we're whenever you and I wrap up here, we're supposed to record the fourth one tonight. Nice. Yeah. So that's uh, you guys do three episodes of, of Mad Men each ep- each episode of the podcast. Right, right. Nice man. Yeah, I and listen. I listen to the first episode. You guys have a, a good uh, a good chemistry about you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's been uh, those two have seen the show before. I'm watching it for the very first time, and I'm I'm loving it. Yeah. Are you uh, on the wavelength of of liking shows that uh, aren't necessarily like really plot driven? Do you like character stuff? Oh yeah, de- definitely. Like I I come from somewhat of a film background, and yeah. the, and and those are always kind of the films that I gravitated to at least originally when I was first getting into film. So uh, Ma- Mad Men is totally up my alley in terms Good. of content. Yeah, right on, man. Well, we're gonna talk. Although, a little- although, although there is this thing where. As far as TV goes, I've been watching stuff like Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones for the past couple of years. Oh yeah. So any t- like 
even in the most mundane of scenes, I'm always waiting for like a character to die. Right. The, the, the like shoe to drop. Yeah, you're <laughs> waiting for some major like plot twist, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a couple of them in there, but uh, Mad Men is, is more, yeah, it's definitely more uh, character-driven stuff. There, there are a couple couple big what-the-fuck what moments that come, right. especially, I think, in season three and four. Um yeah, so you're going to have to bear with me, and the listener's going to have to bear with me, because I, 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 I'm I, just getting over being sick, so I'm still coughing like a like a maniac over here. Um, so, <coughs> speaking of which... Um, <laughs> Uh, can, let's 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 uh, let's bury the hatchet. For, first of all, can can I? I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go down two roads, and I just wanted to do this because this is my perspective on you, and I kind of wanna I, I kind of wanna figure it out. Okay, so, it. what is the bridge between you, AJ Wiley, and Ken Edwards? Uh, what is the tie that binds the three of us? Yes, like originally. Yeah, how did you you knew AJ first? Uh, definitely knew AJ first. I met AJ actually. It's been it's I've known him for nine years at this point. Jesus Christ! Yeah, we met. I was thirteen. He was fifteen. We met on an IMDb message board back in two thousand and five. Oh, I was wow. trying. I was trying to start a website that was basically like my own little. Uh, stupid ripoff of the digital bits that was intended to be like you know dvd reviews and news every sure. week and shit like that and i was i put a post up that was like hey does anyone want to come write reviews for my website that i created for free and looks like shit and he was the one he was one of the ones that responded to me and actually wrote some stuff that's awesome and, yeah and that's that's how we got to know each other originally and then like that that website obviously died within about two months because it sucked. <laughs> but he and I kept talking. And was it on Live Journal? No. <laughs> I was I was a little step up from that. I actually can't even remember at this point what my host was. I hope it, I hope it wasn't Blogspot or something like that. <laughs> but but no, he and I he and I uh, kept in close contact for. Well, obviously, up to now, but especially those next couple of years, we basically grew up together on the internet. AJ and I have been very, very close for a long time and share a lot of similar tastes in movies and things like that. He, yeah. He is probably, I would consider him my best friend in the whole world. Oh, that's great, man. <laughs> like, like, I know that sounds hyperbolic, but we, we've known each other for that long and have, have that kind of... <coughs> it's, so. pretty, it's pretty cool, too, because um, it, the internet like allows you to do that. I mean, yeah. if, if you guys didn't have the internet, you live in Virginia, right? Right, and he lives in Akron, Ohio, which right. is nine hours away from each other. At right. Times. And I mean, we, we've both gone to visit each other at our respective houses and stuff like that over the years, but for the most part, it has been it has been a long distance relationship of sorts. That is... And, but but in, a, in a way, that's kind of great, because if you're most like we you know we talk on the phone and stuff we podcast now right but the majority of our conversation has been on we both still use uh aol instant messenger <laughs> that's and, great that and, is and, great i know right <laughs> and and because for some reason instant instant messaging or anything like that like all of the filters drop away you're yeah. not you're not like you're you actually have a more time than you would in an ordinary conversation right, to right. think about like the perfect way to express this thought that you have. Right. So in a weird way, even though it's 
at a slightly more of a remove from an ordinary conversation, mm-hmm. you get you get to open up more. Right. So I feel like he and I have been able to bond closer than we might have had we simply known each other in real life right. because we because we knew each other on the internet. Yeah, I guess the casualness, the you know, the comfort level. Because I mean, like I I kind of had. Um, I have really close friends still from the days of of, uh, of when I would go into chat rooms and and still talk to people online. So I imagine, yeah, you know, you're, you're writing, typing stuff. You're right. You're at, you're able to kind of you know boil it down and refine what you're saying instead of kind of like you know trying to get through the forest of what your thoughts are and what you <laughs> want to convey to someone. You know, exactly. when you're when you're either talking on the phone or even on a podcast, it's it sometimes come comes across as uh, an obstacle. Um, yeah, yeah your, I think that's your, cool. Your own train of thought stands in your way right. more than anything. <laughs> generally when you're talking to someone like even just recording our Mad Men podcast or whatever every time we sit down to record I'm nervous because I'm afraid that like I'm going to have something to say but the my my own personal train of thought is going to stand in the way of me saying it in exactly the way I want right, to right. and then I'm going to come off like oh I'm stupid or something like I didn't understand the show yeah. I can, I can you know understand I mean? that yeah yeah I can yeah. understand that fear the fear is still there too like I'll be yeah. in a in a um, in an interview with someone that I have absolute like it, it, it could go one of two ways either I'm completely like I'm over prepared or I'm under prepared right. and no matter what I'll find myself just having a, a brain fart and like okay w- what was my train of thought on that yeah and it's it's pr- that's probably my biggest fear <laughs> is like being <laughs> being on the call with someone that I like really admire and and I can't even like fucking get through a sentence you know yeah i guess, i guess it happens to everybody right so um the thing i th- i like that i admire the the fact that you guys have this close relationship because uh whenever i hear aj talk about you it's almost like his friend that he hangs out with down the block Right. That's uh, so. So the thing is, so the thing about your name, okay? Okay. Um, let's just talk about it for a second, because you have you have two first names, basically. I do. <laughs> and uh, from what I understand, at least recently, and th- I find this hilarious, is that um, he called you Will for the longest time. Yeah, he called me Will for uh, like at like the first <laughs> seven years that we knew each other, and it was only like now that I have more of a Twitter presence that I've started to go by Joe. But no, uh, initially, uh, when when AJ and I met, when I was starting to make like online acquaintances, yeah, I, I was uh, doing all of that under the name Will Penley, which is my middle name oh, and my dad's mother's maiden name. I see. Of, of all things, so his point, so his point of reference was yeah, that, was that, that name. Was, that was was his point of reference and i was using that name because i was i don't know i guess harboring a paranoid delusion that su- that, that i was going to be on dateline one day or something like that and needed to use a fake name on the internet to catch a predator know. right yes exactly <laughs> but about about 2010 or so when i started like posting like short films on youtube and stuff like yeah. that i thought it might be smarter to start using my real name which is joseph lewis and i like to use the middle name too joseph william lewis so gotcha. i'm i'm joe in these circles now. gotcha yeah. what is the what's the branding on on your films is it joseph william lewis joseph william lewis okay yeah. gotcha um so I, I think the hard the hardcore the more hardcore question and this is always when i talk to someone from virginia is yeah. there is there a real or is it a a made up beef between Maryland and Virginia? 
I I genuinely have no idea. <laughs> so you're, you're you're completely like flabbergasted I, by this. Have you ever heard that there was a beef between the two states? I hadn't. I'm completely oblivious to this. But but let me tell you, Greg. I'm located. I'm located in Ewing, Virginia, which is on the very gotcha. like western tip of Virginia. I'm gotcha. right on the tip. Gotcha. So and, you're yeah yeah you're and, you're and you're the, more the, disconnected the, from it. Yeah, I'm disconnected from it, and like this is Appalachia. Not much goes on here. Right. It's not very. It's not very connected to the outside world. <laughs> we're we're two steps away from deliverance most of the time. Oh my god! Yes. I have no idea what's going on with Maryland. Uh, could you inform me? That's a yeah. That's a, that's that's the cultural exchange. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a. I think it's a DC metropolitan thing. Uh, yeah. If you especially, I'm sure. Yeah, people in in north yeah. or northeastern Maryland don't know anything about this either yeah, like ken who is closer to you would probably be more aware of this <laughs> it's, per- than it's perceived yeah i think from from ken's point of view though he even he feels like he's a you know he, it, there there are types of of virginians too i mean that's obvious you know there's the yeah. north virginians and then there's the other virginians so right. you know what i mean like north virginians yeah. the arlington crowd they're they're a different story Usually. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, I kind of feel like I'm a North Virginian in other Virginian territory. See, I think that I think that's probably why you and and Ken Edwards um, bond so much because you you guys are like you're passionate about your things mm-hmm. in places that don't really breed a lot of artistic interest. Is that true? Yeah, that, that that's very much true. These are like Ewing and Waynesboro are not places where people do things like podcasting or make movies for a living. Right. Where did it's, that it, Where did it. that start for you, man? Like it seems like to me when I'm when I'm reading reviews that you have put on on Letterboxd or I'm reading your your um, thoughts on any sort of media, I seem to be like very much on the same page as you on a lot of this. And I feel like that those tastes have to come from somewhere. They have to originate. Like, I have a very similar... I could say that I have a very similar interest as you, but we kind of grew up in totally different kind of microcosms, you know, different right. different spheres. Right. So, like, where does... You, you have to be... You have to be kind of a, a, a singular or unique presence even in your group of friends or where you grew up. So where did that come from? Where did the interest in film come from? And that, that's such, that's like such a small and huge question at the same time. (laughs) Let me, let me see if I can break it down. Mm -hmm. Um, as, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. (laughs) No, (laughs) it's a good place to start. (laughs) But, uh, genuinely, like since I was little, I've been fascinated with, not not even necessarily movies, but as far back as like when I was like two and watching Sesame Street, I always wanted to be watching something. Visual media was always a huge right. thing for me, and that that just progressed. That seemed to progress the more the older I got. Right. And like I I went to a very small school. It was a a K through twelve Christian school in okay, right. bumfuck nowhere, sure. Virginia, Virginia. And I did not have a very large circle of friends, which lent me which lent me a large amount of time to explore my own interests. Which kind which kind of at the time I felt kind of cut me off from society a bit. But in hindsight, sure. I'm grateful for because it allowed me to explore film and explore television in ways that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. You're like educating but, yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, pa- 
passion for movies and stuff was always there. It was about when I was 12 and saw Pulp Fiction for the first time. That was when, like, the light bulb clicked on in my head and was like, oh, this is something I might want to actually do for the rest of my life. See, I notice that a lot about people who are really passionate about film and become filmmakers. Mm -hmm. Um, I I noticed this through line of seeing... Uh, R-rated or like even uh, like higher level adult thinking type movies at yeah. a very young age. Yeah, and like that that wasn't even like the first like R-rated or adult movie I'd seen. Like I remember watching when I was younger than that, watching like Goodfellas yeah. or or A Few Good Men or some or random stuff like that. Right. But but Pulp Fiction was just so different from everything else I had seen because it was a nonlinear story sure, and because yeah, I yeah. because I had never heard dialogue or seen performances like that before. Right. And it just kind it just kind of opened my mind up to what movies. could could be who, you know who's who's a like are you you say that you're watching this on your own or is is someone like who is someone giving you the key do you, do you have an older no. brother or 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 a parent that was giving no. you the no th- this is very much on my own wow like, like the, the decision like here i can tell you exactly how the decision to watch pulp fiction happened i was obviously very aware of movies so i was on imdb a lot <laughs> i i looked at their what is now a fucking terrible top 250 a lot. <laughs> are you telling me that the top 10 of the top 250 are not the best movies ever made? <laughs> uh, as there, of right now... There are a couple. No. There are a couple in there. <laughs> I mean, actually, I'm, I'm looking at the page right now. They're all pretty great, but, <laughs> but maybe not top 10 of all time worthy. Yeah, right. It, anyway, I, w- I was very aware of what was high up on this list, and uh, it was... That that summer when I was twelve, we happened to get uh, IFC for the first time. Oh, nice! Yeah. yeah, and and that that channel was revelatory for me. I saw so many of what were then and still are my favorite movies that summer just because of IFC. Nice. And I saw Sunday night, June twenty seventh, one a.m. Pulp shit. Fiction. Pulp Fiction was coming on, and I knew as soon as I saw that it's summer vacation, I could stay up late. I'm gonna watch that movie <laughs> by, by myself in my room with headphones on because I knew there was a lot of swearing and <laughs> right. I didn't want anyone else in the house to hear it. <laughs> that's great. Man. Yeah, and that's when I watched it and 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 life literally was forever changed. Ch- changed your your outlook on everything, huh? It did. It changed my outlook on everything, got me into Tarantino, who's still my favorite director uh-huh. and op- and opened me up to a ton of other movies like Clerks and Ghost World and many so, others. Oh, that, so it, this is the gateway to kind of watching independent film. Exactly, yeah, independent film. That That's definitely, I, I love a lot of different kinds of movies, yeah. but, but independent film of the 90s into 2000s, that's like, that's where I feel the most at home cinematically, I guess. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, we're, we're right there, man. Like, I... I I think I had that same kind of feeling probably maybe even later than you, man. I think I saw, I think I saw, let's see, I saw um, Pulp Fiction when it was in the theater. So that was 94. Right. And I was, I was 11, 11, yeah, 11, 12 years old. Right. But I think that my... So we were about the same age when we saw it. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting uh clutching onto right. is that so much of 
our experiences, it's weird that we're having these these milestone experiences at, at similar times. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm growing even, up. Even, even though we're at disparate ages. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and the thing is that even in our in that, that arc of our life, uh, you know, what, uh, what circumstances brought us to watching that particular movie, watching Pulp Fiction at a certain age, mm-hmm. kind of set us off on a trajectory of yeah. watching this. Because I knew, like, I knew probably in, in fifth or sixth grade that I wanted to direct movies, right. um, that I wanted to do something with movies. And I was, I was so sure I, I wanted to be a filmmaker. But, like, you're, you're right. That, that, that gateway that opens from seeing Pulp Fiction and then Clerks and then seeing independent American cinema and where it takes you with, um, at least for me, at least where it takes you with gender and race-type uh, um, oriented film which really became important to me when I got into college. Yeah, that that's another thing. Watching watching independent film from that time opens your mind up to a oh, lot at totally. that age opens your mind up to a lot of social issues that you had never given a second thought to. Absolutely. Before. Absolutely. The stuff that yeah. you're seeing from Spike Lee, you do know. the right thing, chasing mm-hmm. Amy, things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So at what point, so you see this thing and, and your head is just exploding with this kind of passion for cinema. At like, what is this, what is this, uh, this direction? Was it, I'm going to go to school for film or I'm going to start writing about film? Since it seems like internet seems to be the thing that kind of uh, got you exposed to more cinema. It seems like the internet plays a big, big part in that. Was your interest to, hey, I'm going to watch movies and then I'm going to turn around and filter it into my own thoughts and write about it? Or was it, hey, I want to become a filmmaker. I'm going to go to film school. It's 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 been such a weird progression because like at like after seeing Pulp Fiction and especially after seeing Clerks and watching Snowball Effect, the making of documentary about it. Have you seen that? By yeah, the way? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's Absolutely. it's it's incredible. Uh, seeing that as a twelve year old, that that okay. If if Pulp Fiction was the thing that introduced the idea of being a filmmaker into my mind, yeah. Snow, the Clerks documentary Snowball Effect was the thing that cemented it. That, that it was something you could do. That it was something that I could do. That it was something if a nobody from New Jersey could do it, a nobody right. from Virginia could do it. You know right. what I mean? And so after that, I respect that a lot too because that's not something to sh- to, to to gloss over. I think a lot of people. Um, I mean, I I, I kind of had a thought that I I was either gonna tackle Kevin Smith with you or with Ken or maybe with both of you, yeah. um, since it factors so much into to both your guys kind of like trajectories Absolutely. but i mean it's uh regardless of what people think nowadays about the man uh, he is definitely a very influential person when it comes to inspiring people to oh, pick yeah. up a camera and, and make something yeah he was he was blazing trails when very few people were blazing trails right. and like the the filmmaking game has obviously become a lot more democratized lately. Te- the technology has gotten a lot less expensive, and everyone is doing it. Yeah. I was having a conversation with someone the other day. Like, if Kevin Smith were to make Clerks right now, the exact same movie, and just like upload it on YouTube yep. or whatever, it it would probably be ignored. Yep. Like like it it probably wouldn't get very much exposure. Absolutely. It, like even in the film festival circuit, because there's just such there's so much work being done, and a percentage of it is of a p- 
pretty high quality. Right. It's so oversaturated the, is what it is. It's oversaturated and, you know, standards are different. Tastes are different mm-hmm. now. But, um... Yeah, it's harder to to keep the attention span too. I mean, absolutely. With those, with those independent films uh, that came out in the in the early '90s that were kind of like you know uh, talking back or being influenced by the stuff in the '80s and, and Spike Lee and other filmmakers, mm-hmm. like those those films uh, like Kevin Smith, the, the the ones that he's coming out with, they seem um, so uh, pared down. But you know, at, at at the very least, they're shot on film. That right. was the that was the expense of the endeavor was the was the the the, the film, but yeah. you think about it now, uh, what you could buy for a couple thousand dollars, mm-hmm. um, you could shoot everything on HD, you yeah. could edit it very cheaply. Yeah, like the budget of Clerks back in the day was like twenty seven thousand yeah. five hundred dollars. Yeah, how much would that be now? Oh my like, god! Like it would be like less than five grand. Right, you would be probably. you would basically be spending most of your money on catering and lunch for the the actors. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's it's a completely different world now in terms yeah. of filmmaking, and and much harder to get exposure. It obviously. is. It is. Yeah. yeah. It it like, is much harder to you. You have to. You have to. I don't know how they they do it. You have to become a personality. You have to be the one that screams the loudest. You 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 truly do, and and it's hard because like last year I made a uh, a pilot a tent, for a tentative uh, television series, web series, whatever it would become, mm-hmm. called Nowheresville. Yeah. That was very much cut from the kind of clerk's cloth. It was uh, a coming of age story. <laughs> uh, most of the scenes were just dialogue characters talking back and forth mm-hmm. I, never, I never submitted it to any festivals or anything because I used a lot of copyright music in it that I didn't own but it's been sitting on YouTube since December and like it's it's only 62 minutes long but I tell you it, it's like pulling teeth to get people to watch that thing oh totally yeah even though like I, th- I think there's stuff in it that a lot of people especially of mine and your generation that would that would find relatable in it right I think this is the yeah. You're absolutely right. You're vying for for attention spans and and like and and you're competing with a million other things that can fill yeah, people's totally. time. Like there's way way too much. Totally. It's like it's the commitment of, of the thing too. It's like you're you're already pulling teeth to ask someone to watch a five minute video. You know. Yeah. yeah. Much less something that's an, an hour of their time. Yeah. Like in, in in a world so oversaturated with media and with the internet and all the other distractions we have going on in their lives. It's like to stop your entire day for just five minutes, like you were saying. That's a legitimate challenge. It is. It is. <laughs> and I love the I love the people that kind of commit to it, or or they um they retweet it, or they put it up on Facebook, a link to it, mm-hmm. but they rarely read the article, watch the sh- watch the the video, or anything that they're linking to. Yeah. You know, they're like, hey, you <laughs> should check out my true. you should check out my friend's uh, uh video, and they've never watched it. Yeah, and I've been guilty of that too. <laughs> so bad that's that, that's just the nature of it right now yeah how did how did you envision that you said it was a it, it was envisioned as a pilot or it became a pilot of a much larger idea uh, it, it was envisioned as a pilot of a much larger idea initially um the 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 concept for the series came about in a very roundabout way but i had originally imagined in a in a perfect world i would be able to 
make this pilot and then do nine more episodes. I had nine right. more episodes worth of story planned out for it. Gotcha. But wow. Due, due to budget and circumstances and things, like, uh, we only got to make the one episode. Some of the actors moved away after, oh, yeah, they, right. after, after they had graduated. Because this, the, the, this, this, the, the, motivating factor for this was i was graduating in may and had a senior project to do mm-hmm. and and wanted to figure out something i was actually passionate passionate about to do Absolutely. for it but um and that's yeah, the it, biggest problem isn't it when people like when when the s- semester starts again or when people's schedules are impossible to deal with you know that that'll put a, a wrench in the works it will absolutely, and the fact that this thing exists at all is still miraculous to me because I, the the actors I had to work with were just so absolutely generous with their time because yeah. nobody had time to do this, not even me, and I wrote the fucking thing. <laughs> like <laughs> that shows your commitment, that shows your passion, man. I guess, but I, I don't know. I I'm I'm forever grateful to those people for jumping in the water with me. We had this. Um, we had this. Um, we talked about it on the on the show a couple times before called film school this uh project that my my friend mike did um when we were back at towson university and we did <coughs> i think five episodes full, five full half hour episodes were completed of this kind of it was kind of like um scrubs in in film school so uh-huh. it was kind of scrubs meets film school but nice. um but uh, it, we, we it was good. It was a good narrative experience. We had you know uh, kind of journeymen directors coming in and and doing their thing, and and Mike uh, allowed other people to write some of the uh, scripts. I think a couple were written by other people. But um, man, was that a great experience! And we shot most of those episodes over the summer. And the thing that you what you're what you're talking about how how things change when when you know uh, when people move away or graduations on the horizon and everything that's that's what i'm remembering from that because we got those five episodes done and then towards the end of the summer everybody's getting ready to go into the next semester and of course they've got classes and they can't make time to do the sixth episode so it kind of floundered logistics start standing absolutely i mean that's the thing that's probably the impetus for this podcast and several other podcasts is having a creative outlet for the the people who who do them because they don't want to deal with other people like scheduling shit with other people yeah like like corralling people like i i want to make movies more than anything in the world and i i really enjoy writing i like writing screenplays and things like that but like 90 percent of the time in the back of my mind i'm thinking man i should just try to be a novelist or something i don't want to <laughs> yeah. have to deal with anyone <laughs> exactly exactly that, that is like uh, legitimately um as far as the creative arts go i i i envy no person who gets into that because yeah. it is literally probably the hardest job in the in media to do is yeah. to say hey i've got a script hey give me some money Hey guys, come over here and act in my movie, and then have the wherewithal to try to schedule that whole fucking fiasco. Yeah, you're you're literally like going out and asking for either rejection or massive inconvenience. Absolutely, <laughs> all at the service of something you're passionate about. How, but, you're, how, but you're passionate about it, and that matters more than any of the rest of it. How old are you right now? I'm 22. I turned, 20, I turned 22 in March. Good. Did you did you go to college? I did. I did. I just graduated in May with okay. a de- 
with a degree in broadcasting. Right, so, right on. From where? Uh, from, I went to Lincoln Memorial University in Harrogate, Tennessee, which, even though it's in Tennessee, is just about 15 minutes away from oh, where I've right, always right. lived. So I, I, I still have yet to branch out very much. Oh, not bad, not bad. At least you can say you went out of state, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for, uh, for the record, Kentucky is also 15 minutes away. So, I, so I'm a tri-state boy for life. That's awesome, man. <laughs> but uh, you know what, dude? That, 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 uh, that appeals to me. I'm glad that... <clears throat> that at your age you're still you know that that's that uh it hasn't it hasn't been and i and i hope it never does i i say this because i hope that it never gets erased from your your bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and and like really passionate about the arts and about film i hope it never leaves you i hope you stay passionate about it because nothing m- more important in this world i i i i guarantee you nothing is more important in this world than than your passions and and what you're what you're obsessed with i think people yeah. find a way to to find a, a, a nine to five job uh they're too scared to, like they're too scared to do the freelancing thing they realize that it's it's fucking it's poverty is what it is it's you're yeah. never going to 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 it's it's easy to to talk yourself out of it is what i mean is like the freelance thing and and what Whatever your plans are, it, 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 it the at the end of the day, it's a hard road, and everyone yeah. should know that shit. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I I totally believe and agree with you. Like nine to five jobs, I'm not knocking them. I have one. It mm-hmm. is what it is. But you know, it's it's a routine. It's yes. easy to it's easy. It's very easy to settle into, especially if you're making money. Absolutely. Whereas, whereas chasing your passions, that is a daily struggle. Absolutely. That that's something you have to answer to yourself for. Absolutely. And that and, that, and that's harder than almost anything. Yeah, man. I'm yeah. thirty. I'm thirty one, and uh, I realize that that is the, the the number one thing that I have struggled with as a, a post college adult. Mm-hmm. is kind of I think my passion is still there for the medium yeah. but I don't like I I struggle with it so often to try to to get back to creative outlets you know I want to right. I want to be writing I want to be directing and uh for one reason or another I make excuses for myself you know whether it's uh, you know at least I have a, a creative outlet with this with this podcast if the podcast wasn't there mm-hmm. I think that I might it, it could. It's a double-edged sword. I could. It's keeping you creative, exactly. but it also to an extent, it's uh, functioning as a crutch. Exactly. You know exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it is. It's a blessing and a curse because it's a. It's something where I'm. I'm feeling like I'm getting this. This passion out, and I'm able to talk to people, and and conversations a big part of it. Conversation and having connections with people is like so important. If you were just alone and you couldn't share your passions with anyone, it would be you. you you'd flounder. But yeah. you're right. On the other side of the coin, it, it's keeping me from from making the time to write. It's right. keeping me from uh, from making movies. Once once you're <coughs> once you're passionate about something, after you've been passionate about it for so long, yeah, it, it's it's it kind of becomes legitimately hard to keep the faith at all times. Yeah. Like I remember uh, in May after I graduated, I I for about a month or so, I got stuck in like this very bizarre existential crisis of well, do I actually love movies? What would be the point of actually uh 
trying to do something in movies. What is the point of watching this movie right now? I started questioning every like media related decision that I made and uh, like things were starting. I was starting to get like really hopeless and nihilistic about Uh everything. And it it, it was actually like going to Alabama Phoenix Fest with AJ and everyone else that kind of reinvigorated me getting to be surrounded by people who loved media and storytelling Uh and visual arts as much as I did for an entire weekend. It was almost like, it was almost like going to church. It was kind of like a religious experience. And ever since then I've been, I, I, I I still haven't jumped back into creative mode yet, but Mm. I'm, I'm back on the train as far as like just loving storytelling. Yeah. Yes. No, do, do it, man. I mean, seriously, like, yeah, that's, that's the perfect thing to get you recharged is like doing projects with people, you know, do, if it means uh, even starting uh, small and, and, and write out doing a writing project with a friend or whatever, you know, just constantly get those muscles in gear um don't let it don't let it flounder because i mean at some point i think i I feel like i've said flounder about seven times at this point uh no you're just hungry (laughs) (laughs) i need a snickers right now um but yeah you become stagnant there we go there's a synonym um if you don't, if you don't like, if you don't flex those muscles, if you don't go out there, because I feel like that that's a big thing. Complacency is a big yeah, thing. C- c- complacency will fucking kill you, dude. Yeah. And like it's even for like the tiniest thing, it's hard to when you are the only one motivating you. Right. It's it's hard to get your feet up off the ground and actually start working at something. Like just just last week when I was sitting down with AJ and Ken to record the Mad Men podcast. Uh, they they reminded me that Project Greenlight is starting up again. Right. And uh, later this month through August, they're going to be accepting submissions for three minute short films. And I was like, and they were like, okay, yeah, obviously this is something Joe should do. Absolutely. But, Absolutely, man. And 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 I've like it's been in the back of my mind for the past week. I've I've left the tab for Project Greenlight open <laughs> Chrome for the past week. Have ha- have I written anything down or even taken a step forward toward it? Man, no, and I don't, don't do know it. why. Don't do it, man. You got you got to pull the trigger, man. I do. You're gonna, you're I gonna really regret do. it. You're gonna regret. That's the thing. You're gonna have this list of regrets. For me, it's like right now my my regret falls somewhere between I should be making movies and uh, I should be traveling somewhere. So when I'm not like doing one of those two things, I I really I, I'm full of regret. So you need to do that, man. I do. You're gonna be a a 35 year old dude who never uh, submitted anything for Project Greenlight. It's gonna be in its ninth season after having come back to uh, uproarious fanfare uh, after years of not being on HBO. It's going to do nine seasons. You need to do it, baby. I do. I do, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm going to put a title card at the end that says, For Greg. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. I need as as many IMDB cred- credits as I can get. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm dying here. So. It's okay. I think we kind of uh, glossed over it. I just want to go back real quick. Uh, we glossed over what that that direction was was it to film school or was it to writing about film like where did you filter hey i'm i'm a a film fan to hey i want to do this um it it kind of for a while like both both of those paths like uh 
writing for film and writing about film were kind of concurrent in my life. Mm-hmm. Like it was actually within like a year after I had met AJ that I started. I like I wrote my first legitimate screenplay for the first time. You know, 120 pages, all all that shit. It was a feature. It, right. In hindsight, it sucked, but it was a feature. <laughs> and at, and at the same time, I started like writing reviews and trying to formulate my thoughts on whatever movies I was watching. And I was watching, I watched a lot of movies now, but I was watching way more movies back yeah. then. Oh, that's like, the other thing. That's the like, other thing that, that dawned on me. Go ahead and finish. I, I want to like, make sure I write this down. Yeah, just just really quick. Like from the ages of 14 to about 17 or 18, I, I watched more movies than any human person should ever watch in, right. should, in such a short amount of time. That's good. That's, like, a, that's the education, man. It, it, it's good it is the education but i also like part the tiniest part of my brain in the very back of my brain also feels like spending so much time in the dark in front of a screen <laughs> did what Patton oswald always said it would do it made my personality start to just like <laughs> flicker a little bit <laughs> it just kind of like set it, it removed me a step from the rest of society. <laughs> I gotta be careful talking to you, man. You're gonna make me laugh too hard, and then I'm gonna die from not breathing. Don't die, dude. You still got, you still got a movie to make. <laughs> I think that's super true, man. Like, yeah, that that'll that'll do it to you when you realize that. Um, when you realize that you're you're just a, a few shades paler than everyone else in the room, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It's so true. Like back back in this is just a quick anecdote, but back in December, it was like December fifteenth or so, right when I got out for Christmas break. Like it's you know award season is starting up. I got to catch up on all the Oscar movies before the nomination right. gets all the nominations gets announced because right. I'm a fucking nerd. You got to. You got <laughs> to. You got to, and I, I like. I have to watch everything. I have to catch up on everything from now and earlier in the year that I missed because I was making Nowheresville. Mm-hmm. And and over about three or four weeks, I had to have watched like thirty plus movies. <laughs> like it was it was unhealthy, <laughs> and it got to a point where I wasn't even. I wasn't even enjoying the movies anymore. Even if it was a great movie, like 12 Years a Slave or Benjamin <coughs> or something, I was just processing it. I wasn't right. actually having a rewarding time watching it. Right. So, so, Sometimes too much does exist. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there's this, uh, like, there's this uh, Facebook page that I'm a part of, uh, The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, and they're also a, uh, a podcast. But there's these I listen gu- to that podcast a little bit. I, yeah, I, I enjoy yeah. it. But uh, the guys on that community, they have basically this ongoing kind of uh, penis measuring contest about how many how many movies one of them or you know how many movies they can they can watch in a given year and they yeah. kind of like keep it as an unspoken like letterbox running tally or whatever yeah. and so every time someone posts something, whatever they're watching that night whether it's you know the first of three for the night or the first of six for the night or whatever. I mean, I don't know if these guys are like working night shifts and they're just watching TV while they're doing stuff. But, um, for the, you know, for the record, my, my record is seven for a day. Jesus <laughs> Christ. And I rem- I can probably remember the seven too. That's questionable. I don't even know if I've ever hit that. Can you remember it off the top of your head? Which seven they were? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, it started at like four in the morning Rewatch of Twelve Monkeys, first viewing of Undertow, first viewing of The Reader, first viewing of Let It Be, 
rewatch of Vertigo, first viewing of Suspicion, first viewing of Secrets and Lies. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that runs the gamut, too, of emotions. It really and it does. How did you, how did you, like, okay, so you, I'm guessing you took a little bit of a break between each movie? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Not much of one. That's commitment. Were you sick? No. <laughs> See? <laughs> I understand when someone has wa- like binge watched a, a movie series or a TV series when they're sick. I, I mean, I one of my recommendations for this for the end of the show is is because I've I've been sick and I've been wa- binge watched some stuff. But to do that like voluntarily, and and you were still in good health afterwise. You weren't like you were. Depends on who you ask. <laughs> you weren't hopped up on on uh, on uh, on like a surge and uh, had Cheeto crumbs all over your hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was just as glamorous. As is is surge even something that that you get? Surge soda. No, no. Like, I know okay. what that is, but I've never had one. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's that's a little before your time, I think. A, li- a little bit. And that was um, that was the drink, Monique. Wasn't that the drink? Wasn't Serge the drink? She loved it. My girlfriend loved it. That was nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah, it was popular in the late nineties, early two thousands. Anyway. Hello, Monique. Hey, Joseph says hello, Monique. Every person who's on the show needs to say hello to you. <laughs> and the only one who has met her so far is Ken. Oh yeah. Yeah, Ken's the only one that can prove that she exists. That oh, wow. she's she's not just a recording that I she's have not, that she's I put. Not a hologram. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're so not trying to remake. <laughs> what I was gonna say also about like the the being a filmmaker thing and. It's funny that you say that too, because like a big thing. Well, wait a minute. What, how did we get off on you watching seven movies in a? Anyway, yeah, those guys. They fucking watch. Uh, let's say three hundred sixty-five days in a year. These guys are coming up batting like thirteen hundred movies a year. Okay, that I don't get. Like that's how insane. Does, how does that even happen? That's like, that's I literally to, four movies a day or it plus. It is, and like how how can you do anything if you're watching four or more movies yeah. a day? Like yeah. I I did used to. I, I suppose I still do on Letterboxd. I just don't think about it as much. I used to keep, when I was a teenager, I used to keep a log of every movie I ever watched on a website called Listology. I don't know if you're nice. familiar with that. Uh, vaguely, vaguely. But uh, in the year two thousand and eight when I was 16 and had less of a life than I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life, I, I pulled about 550 movies that year. Jeez, and, I, and I know I've never surpassed that because Even, if I did, I would probably be dead. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an endurance, man. With it every is. passing year, you're going to realize that uh, you just have less and less time. Do you yeah. do, you do just, anything? Just, just imagine all of the plot points that I have forgotten. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Do, are you familiar with uh, Married with Children? Uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. There's this, there's this scene in there, uh, Christina Applegate's character is kind of the dumb bimbo daughter of the show, but Uh she has like a perfect mind trap of a brain and she can keep like all these stats and everything, but it's, it's to the effect that everything that goes into her brain, one thing has to leave the brain so she can remember all these baseball stats and everything and whatever, but (laughs) they actually have this this animation of you know something going into her brain and then she forgets something that's like like a basic human concept like breathing or something 
wow. Whenever someone talks about kind of like you know uh, getting so much so much uh, experience or having so many memories in their head, I always think, yeah, but there's a couple things that are slipping out the the side of your ear now because of that. I can just imagine like my my animation would be like a huge page of facts about Ingmar Bergman films goes in and like ten percent of my total empathy goes out. Exactly. You become more of a robot with every day. Yeah. Do you do any other do you, are you uh, passionate about any other media other than um uh, any uh, any other th- than film? I mean, I, I love television. I love music, and uh, I've I've been reading a lot more than I have in the past Good. lately. But uh, n- nothing quite to the extent as film. Right. That's a that's something that I've always kind of like. There's always been the the two prongs have always been video games and movies for me. Right. So like, uh, I'm, I'm very inexperienced with video games. Actually, I j- for last year for the very first time, I I finally beat a link to the past. That's awesome, though, man. That is a and that's a great game to beat, man. That's awesome. It is. It is. I'd have someone hold my hand the entire way because like one of the things that went out with the page of Ingmar Bergman facts was like. Uh, strategy. Yeah, so. yeah. But like, still, I beat it. Hand-eye coordination. That's a big yeah, thing. Exactly. <laughs> I, I've always been terrible at sports. <laughs> yeah. No. That's the, that's the thing that I'm noticing with every passing year is that every list of things that I want to get to just keeps getting longer because I know that I'm I'm never going to get around to it. There's there's no way I'm going to see all the good TV shows, all the good movies, play all the good games. Like I need Absolutely. to focus Absolutely. on exactly what I want to play in or or watch in this moment or read in this moment. I'm reading focus, a lot more this on, year too. Focus on what you care about the most exactly. as opposed to just trying to keep up with the cultural conversation. That's the biggest part like yeah. I I've I've had repeated conversations with AJ and other people about mm. how exhaustive it is to try to stay up with pop culture. Yeah, like here here's a perfect example. I have a list of shows just in a notepad file sitting on my desktop yeah. for like the last couple of months and I I, I genuinely do want to watch <laughs> the first two seasons of Orange is the New Black so mm-hmm. bad. But there are just a million other things exactly. to watch that I'm expected to talk about and have opinions on. Exactly. And, and I, there's just no time for it. And the worst thing is when you get someone who... I guarantee you, most of the time that this phrase comes out of that person's mouth, that person is a casual something. She's a yeah. casual watcher, a casual player, whatever. Yeah. They're always like, oh, you haven't watched that? You haven't played that? You must, you gotta do it. You got to. Like, whenever you hear that conversation from someone who wants you to have watched both seasons of House of Cards and both seasons of Orange is the New Black and it's five seasons. Some, it's, it's from someone who's not wa- trying to watch everything else. Exactly. As well. Exactly. Yeah. Like, they, they, it's on their plate. They have been sold on one particular show and they might watch one or two shows a season, and that's it. Yeah. You know, or they might watch uh, uh, five movies in in uh, in the summer blockbuster season, and that's it. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's hard. I was going to say earlier when we were talking about like those those things, those obstacles of uh, of being a filmmaker. The filmmakers that I know, the ones that are that are successful, if not uh, financially successful, successful at getting their passion out and and doing features and 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 actually doing it as a job, none of those guys watch movies. 
Right. None of those guys are consumers. They're all creative people. They put every ounce of their time into writing, into making movies, into acting, whatever, editing. The whole process is they eat, breathe, breathe, and sleep it. They do not consume. They just don't. Yeah. And that's it, the hardest thing to do when you're, you know, an avid collector of, of Blu-rays or, or, or a watcher of movies. It's, it's extremely hard to do. Like, when you, when you have a passion project, it's, it's kind of all or nothing if you expect to get it done. And when you're a person who likes watching, uh, watching movies, consuming media, however you want to put it, as much as I do, it's a legitimate challenge. And, yeah. and, but, but the proof is in the pudding, because last year I wrote and made Nowheresville, and I'm, I can tell you proof positive that I watched less movies yeah. that last year than I have in many, many years. And you probably added so, to your years of life, too. <laughs> I probably did. I probably care about humanity like a smidgen more a than smidgen I did more. in 2012. <laughs> well, congratulations, dude. I'm really... I'm really uh, uh, proud of you for for doing that. And I hope you you Thank keep you, doing that, man. Um, d- maybe maybe a weird uh, a segue, but you know you care about movies. Do you care about Michael Bay movies? <laughs> <laughs> if the laugh doesn't tell you everything, <laughs> it's a yes, a resounding yes, a resounding yes. Um, my. He's he's not my favorite. <laughs> I will admit to in, enjoying and still enjoying to this day the movie Armageddon. Sure. I know a lot of people hate that movie, but I think it's fun. I mean, uh, as far as Michael Bay movies go, that might be the quintessential Michael Bay movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's big, it's dumb, it's over the top, but you know, it has a great cast and it's having a lot of fun the entire time. Yeah. So I mean, I like I enjoy that movie. I think I think The Rock's okay. I think The Island is okay. Okay. But since since about 2007, in fact, the man has been churning out shit. <laughs> now that's a weird that's a weird year to focus on, Joe. Because yeah. I mean, like when I think about it, what what has he been doing for the past for the past five years or so? What has he been doing? I can't think of anything yeah. really. He's been making these movies about these things. I think they're called Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> so the big the big deal i guess the big the big yeah. deal over the uh, for 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 summer is that his uh drop in the bucket is his return to the uh transformers series yeah. with uh was it a- a- age of a- age of extinction <laughs> age of extinction it, it, the the the, plot, the the m night Shyamalan plot twist of this film is that the age of extinction is not for is not for the autobots it's not for the decepticons it's for mainstream cinema in general it is it is it it, it harkens the uh the apocalypse of teenage mutant ninja turtles that is going to be coming very quickly after this yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, from the from the director of Transformers, exactly from the writer of Scream Three. <laughs> That's how you sell things, man. It wasn't exactly. too long ago that they uh, that they 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 uh, um, they they forced kind of the promotional materials of movies based on the. Did he win an Oscar? Maybe he was Oscar nominated. Akiva Goldsmith. As uh, as the writer of uh, a beautiful mind, yeah, yeah, he definitely, people he people wrote that. Yeah, he he wrote it. He definitely wrote it. No, it, people forget that he's he's bookended his career so far on uh, writing uh, the uh, Da Vinci Code movies, 
was right. in Angels and Demons also. Oh, God. And don't, he, even, don't get me started on Angels and Demons. <laughs> and also, much to, to, uh, much to his glee, I think a lot of people forget that he wrote Batman and Robin. Right. So... This man, this man is is widely regarded, much like Michael Bay as uh, being a great filmmaker. Um, here, here's the thing: it's funny that he's he's become kind of uh, uh, become synonymous with the Transformer movies. I mean, fucking people have there there are now generations of kids that have grown up knowing Michael Bay as the director of Transformers movies, nothing else. Right. And it's so weird that oh, not too long ago he did surprisingly maybe his most um artistic or personal movie per- with personal with, yeah, yeah with yeah. pain and gain right. which is weird it's kind of like through a filter of it's it's a coen brothers movie through the filter of michael bay yeah and th- and that doesn't mean i liked it anymore yeah but I respected it more than Transformers. Right, you like <laughs> <laughs> so so. Here's the thing. Um, I, I went into this movie knowing that it was long. I had been yeah. aware, made aware of that through through Twitter and through the blogosphere. That hey, I'm going to see a. Uh, I I knew it was longer than two hours. I thought it was around, you know, two twenty five maybe. Yeah, it's it's 166 minutes. <sighs> yeah, which when when AJ I didn't know that beforehand. AJ actually told me that, and when he when he said that to me, my first response was, "Well, at least that's shorter than Dark of the Moon, <laughs> third one." But apparently, it's longer, which surprises me because Dark of the Moon felt like like five it, hours. It felt just, it even longer. Like toasters beating each other up in right. Chicago. Right. Exactly. <laughs> if you if you want to like, I, I just imagine sitting in the theater, and when I looked at IMDb, because I just wanted to know how long the movie was. And I went with my friend Troy, and I looked over at Troy, and Troy saw this face of just utter disbelief. He was like, what? What did you just see? Did, did someone die? Did you find out someone died on, on Twitter? I was like, no, I just saw the runtime of this movie. And he, he was like, yeah, settle in. Enjoy it. Uh, never, like, if people want a, an example of how CGI-driven action can be boring as fuck. This is the movie for them. This is this is absolutely the movie. It's this it's and it's the sequel to three other movies that are equally an example. <laughs> like like actually like okay, I haven't seen the first one <coughs> since it came out in theaters. Yeah. And some some people seem to like that one and I don't I don't remember it being as like absolutely detestable. Well, it's got it's to- got the beef in it. It's got shy of the beef in it. It's got the beef in it, and it's got I, Tyrese in it, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and like part of me actually wants to go back and revisit that one to see if it was as bad as I thought it was when I was fifteen. Oh, I'm sure because, it's horrible. Yeah, because because even my memory of it doesn't seem as relentless and cynical as its sequels have been. Right. Yeah. I think that that I've I've seen the. First one and this one, so I haven't seen the second or third one, which I hear is uh, probably a good thing. But yeah, um, the second one is one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> <or none. laughs> I feel like so to me, I, uh, uh, he has a lot of Michael Bay gets a lot of cultural cachet from me. Like I can, I can put up with him. I can put up with with a movie 
as bad as it might be because if 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 I know beforehand I want to go in and have some dumb fun, he he does pretty good at at uh, fulfilling that for me, you know. Um, so I went into this movie, you know, being on on the uh, wavelength, ready to watch some dumbass fun. And uh, if anybody needs a a uh, uh, an actor to lead their dumb dumbass fun, uh, Mark Wahlberg is definitely the type of person to do that. It's, yeah, I mean, I mean, he starred in The Happening. What yeah. else do you need? <laughs> his 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 face, like I remember, you know, this this movie is is basically hinged on the idea that he's just a dumb inventor. Like, yeah. like that he's a he's a smart inventor. He can put uh, he can put uh, uh, transformers back together. But the perspective of the agents after him, the feds after him, the the law enforcement around him, the people that make comments about him is that he's just some dumb inventor. <laughs> yeah, and let, let's keep in mind that he's a quote unquote dumb inventor who finds a transformer yeah. in an abandoned movie theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's <laughs> and, so much and, meta. There's and, so much and, meta there. And stands to get to receive at least twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> if he turns this into the higher ups, which echoes the twenty-five million dollar budget of Pain and Gain, Michael yeah. Bay's most personal movie. Wow, I didn't even put that together. That's even oh, more man. meta. It, it's so meta, dude. Jesus, but no Christ. less stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is a pretty insanely set up movie, and I think that it it, it hinges a lot on how likable you find Mark Wahlberg. Um, to the point that like. You can go along with him on to a lot of this. You can, to the point that you can accept him wanting to fuck his daughter. <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, that's a big part of it. I'm, I think a lot of people go see movies for that. Uh, yeah. Did you not watch Nymphomaniac? No. Anyway. <laughs> I did, regrettably. <laughs> hey, that's another movie we should regrettably talk about. But, um, yeah, the movie does have have its parts, I guess. There's some interesting stuff in there. Some fun... Like the, it, has, it has fun parts. But I gotta say, after about an hour in i have never been at recently in my in my memory uh as as exhausted by a movie just exhaustedly bored by it yeah after so much of it you're just done like you can't take anymore it's too much like roger ebert used to say it's much too much of a muchness ah i never (laughs) heard that that's a great line man yeah (laughs) that's fantastic and i just love like at the end like I'm so loopy. Both my friend and I, Troy, are, are are so loopy watching this movie and kind of devoid of any interest in it. That there's this moment where uh, who uh, who who gave the uh, the inspirational speech at the end? I always forget the main guy. Who's the main guy in Transformers? Who's the main guy? Uh, the main robot. Yeah, Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime. I can never remember the. Yeah. the see, this is how much of a, a disconnect I have from my own childhood because. I never remember watching Transformers even when I was a kid in the 80s. So that's how much of a dis- disconnect there is. Right. But like, I, n- I, nev- I never even watched Transformers as a kid. Honestly, like my major frame of reference for Transformers is, this? is, is Clerks 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, right, the Elias right. character who's obsessed with Transformers. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, yeah, it, the, the, so you get so loopy. You're so burnt out on just watching... 
big spectacle CGI explosions and 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 beat 'em ups and everything. Just basically, yeah, uh, 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 robots beating each other up, rock'em sock'em yeah. robots. Um, exactly. You get to this point. I, at least we were like we're so loopy that at the end when Optimus Prime is supposed to be giving this very motivational speech and it, <laughs> there's this cutaway to Mark Wahlberg tearing up <laughs> that in a completely quiet theater Troy and I are just laughing our asses off <laughs> that this movie like pulled this little bit of emotion out of the dumb inventor that Mark Wahlberg is playing it was so funny and and to tell you how off I am and how out of the loop I am we had people stand up. It had a standing ovation at the end of this movie. People oh were God. clapping. That that's nuts, dude. Like, th- thankfully, the people in my theater didn't clap. But yeah. like, I've I, pe- people I talk to, people I work with, have been telling me how awesome it is, and I'm just like, nope, okay. not for not for me. Absolutely, um, I, I don't know. <coughs> in the in the past, I've criticized Michael Bay for the way he directs action, at yeah. least in these movies. Like, there's there's so much just metal and ash on screen. Yeah. And you don't get much of a sense of the geography of these Absolutely fight not. scenes. Absolutely not. That 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 the fights become kind of incomprehensible. Yeah. But th- this movie actually made me question that because I'm not sure if his action direction is just incomprehensible, or True. if or if his movies bore me to the point that I don't <laughs> care enough to pay attention to which robots are fighting. Anymore. Exactly. No, I I totally agree with that. I feel like. Yeah. There were so many... It was such a repetitive movie. It was so repetitive to the point that this character gets here, there's a robot uh, fight. This character gets here, there's a robot fight. It's just... It was basically the same plot point done about seven times in a row. Yeah, it was it was like the the filmic equivalent of listening to the yeah. notes from Inception for three hours <laughs> with no breaks. Yeah, no, that's very accurate. I think that that's the most accurate review we could do for for Age of Extinction. Is that right there? It's like listening to the for for two hours and forty fucking minutes. Jesus. No, luck, luckily the credits were about what ten or twelve minutes, so you could yeah, leave early. Yeah, yeah, that that's like that's like like the pillow that you always get with these movies yeah. if they're super long and super dumb at least you've got like 10 minutes of credits exactly. that you can bail on exactly. <laughs> just to keep what's left of your sanity right so uh, I, I will I will say this before we move off Transformers yeah. saw, saw the movie with a couple of friends who are like <laughs> moderate fans of the other ones mm-hmm. that they were kind of movies that they saw when they came out and liked but have since like uh come to the dark side and started thinking they were really dumb right we, we saw this movie together and when i got out we we, we all had kind of like the <laughs> it's because you guys were dehydrated you hadn't eaten for about seven hours exactly there was fire everywhere we had been sweating a robot tried to punch us in the face it was the worst but we started talking about what we didn't like about the movie and there was a lull, there was a lull in the conversation and i asked the two of them so guys what was the plot of that movie? Right, exactly. Dead silence. Was exactly. The response that I got. When when and, I, and, and I don't have a good answer for it either. When I can only remember a handful of moments in the movie, and and none of them had anything to do with the quote unquote plot. Yeah. You know you have a problem there. Yeah. There's there's nothing to latch on to. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's completely if there if there is an example of passive filmmaking, it, this is it. Like I think that maybe maybe in a way this is probably the perfect summer movie. Like when we talk about summer movies, maybe we shouldn't be talking about movies like Looper or uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. We should be talking about movies like this because quintessentially, this is what people go to the movies during the summer for, right? Even though it's is, a really, it? <laughs> I, I stand corrected. Maybe I never not. Have, man. <laughs> Maybe not. You, I think. I think you and I are, are cut from a different cloth, man. I mean, we're not necessarily the the people that these movies are made for. But but at the same time, you know what else was a summer movie? Jaws. Yeah. Summer movie. There you Empire, go. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. There <laughs> this you is go. Not that. <laughs> Maybe it's a different era, man. Maybe we're we're seeing the cinematic age of extinction. <laughs> Exactly. You know, maybe maybe this is our future here. Anyways, just from I, I think just from those reviews, people can get that we're we, we're big recommendations, right? A plus. Oh, A plus <laughs> all the way. Five stars on Letterboxd. It's gonna be in my top ten at the end of the year, right next to I don't know something foreign. <laughs> Put it up there with your art house movies. Exactly. So uh, this is a recent thing. Uh, do you? Like, I know that uh, we've been talking a bit, so I don't know if you are. You know, how do you? Feel feel about this episode do you feel like we're good good for recommendations or was there something else you wanted to talk about i always like to leave it open to to uh since we didn't really blueprint this we just you know had a conversation right um you feel good about it i feel good about uh, it. i feel very good about it uh was there anything else you wanted to hit um just your beard man i love your just fucking my beard, beard. Every photo that I see of it, like I have this, my girlfriend can attest to this. I have this absolute unchecked weird fetish almost for facial hair. And it's simply because I cannot grow a goddamn thing. I just have whiskers. I can like, it's so patchy. I don't grow enough to, to be a substantial goatee or beard or mustache. So when I meet someone that does, I'm like, let me just look at it. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me touch it. Like I have a friend. Uh, I have a friend Phil who I just have to. He's had a beard since we got out of college, and I just wanna. I just wanna. Just wanna pet it every time I see it. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, man. It, it, I wish that I. I wish at some point. I guess it's just the uh, the Ukrainian genes that just uh, we don't <laughs> just, it, just not not very into facial hair. Yeah, definitely not Ukrainian people. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a time. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the beard love in any case. I love it. I love it. They, they, <laughs> you, you, you're you're still you're still uh, holding on to the uh, Neanderthal man. You know that's, that, that's, that's part of you. <laughs> and I'm evolved. I've evolved to the point that I don't need hair. No. Anyway, so uh, this is uh, a. I actually, I came. I did come up with a question. I wanted to ask you just while we're here that might lead into some recommendations. Oh, there we go. Okay. Who's Mr. Segway now? <laughs> yeah, right. Fuck you, AJ. <laughs> um. Okay. You, you've you've been a huge fan of all things cinema for all of your life. Sure. Surely. Okay. Okay, uh, is it is it just the medium that draws you to it, or is it the idea of storytelling in general? And how has your, if at all, how is your how has your view of storytelling changed over the years? Oh, that is uh, a good. One, or, or or what you've or what you've gone to storytelling seeking, right. what what, you, what you've wanted to get out of it. Right. I think that that if I was to 
analyze it from now looking back i could say hey yeah i was probably um grasping on to storytelling at the time i thought it was the look the the sound the feel of the experience like i still have these memories of watching good the bad and the ugly for the first time or or batman in the theater or yeah. any of these things like which are I, su- such stylish overpowering absolutely as they are. absolutely and it's so easy to to equate uh filmmaking quote-unquote filmmaking or the love of filmmaking or or cinephilia with Autism and and, aste- and aesthetics and aesthetics and and vision and all that stuff, but I think that you find quickly like there is a there's a chasm between those people who really boil down to technicians, people that are in love and passionate with the technical aspects of it, and people on the other side of the chasm that are more infatuated with storytelling performance like the things that i as i've grown up and and particularly since we talked about a a, a, a independent cinema the thing that independent cinema brings you is not just the the uh inspiration to say hey someone did did this like this i i could do it too i you know it's not just the the approachability and the uh, uh the ability itself to do it but like as I'm growing up and watching independent cinema and watching like uh, plays that were adapted to film and everything, I cared more and more and more about acting performance. I cared more and more about what um, what an actor or actress was conveying. I love and what, and what feels real. Yeah, what fe- what feels real? What you can connect with. I love scenes. Honestly, the thing that I love more than anything in cinema, TV, whatever, is when there is a scene that hinges on something important, whether it's to the plot or it's important to the characters, but the characters are talking about something and meaning something else. Right. And people think that that's easy to do. You watch Breaking Bad, you watch The Wire, you watch about any of these really great shows that... that often do that it is the hardest thing to do to to make something to make something that the viewer cares about so much that when it gets to a scene where it seems like the actors uh, or the the characters are just talking about something really mundane or something else but they're actually talking about that that conflict they're talking about something that's between the lines or whatever those are my favorite parts of storytelling and to achieve it is absolutely you talk about you asked me how has my um how has my uh my outlook on that matured as I've gotten older like I was completely infatuated and still to a point with style and aesthetics I love yeah. I love when you have a good stylistic director or cinematographer I love that stuff yeah that that's exactly how I was through most of my teenage years yeah. too and and, and I think part that of, you have to be. You have and, to be. And part of that still holds over because, like, that's that's the that's the surface thing. That's the thing you see first and connect with first. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and another branch of that is like like you. I was big into independent film when I was a teenager, and part of the appeal of that was okay. I'm a teenager. I don't have a whole lot going on in my life. Yeah. So I'm open to the idea of movies that are exploring real world conflicts and sure. real world issues in a way that most other movies don't yeah and and when i was younger and getting into movies i found that i gravitated more connected more with uh with movies that did hinge closer to reality right 
Whereas now I've discovered over the over just the past year or two, really, I've been getting drawn more and more into into fantasy, into sci-fi, into sure. anime, because because that those mediums allow their creators to conjure up real-world emotions right. in completely fabricated settings, right. and I think I think that's one of the most amazing things you can do mm-hmm. in the world. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> is, is, is to create something out of nothing and then find something in that that's relatable no absolutely i agree yeah. with you yeah i mean that's a big part of game of thrones i'm glad that you yeah said that. yeah yeah which, which is which is the thing that uh kick-started that yeah. uh, evolution in me i think i've been since i got hardcore into game of thrones last year i've been looking more and more for stories that are removed, <coughs> removed from my experience but still reflect some mm-hmm. part of it in some way well that's like you know that's ballsy story storytelling not just the the tv show but the books yeah which i've just which i've just started reading over great the yeah, yeah, I noticed that you you're you're reading the first book. That's the and, and you know what? It's not ballsy storytelling because George R. R. Martin kills off people. Right. Uh, it's it's the same ballsy storytelling that Joss Whedon does. It's not because they kill off characters. It's because the way that they have their characters intertwine in each other's lives, like even with George R. R. Martin, everything in that fucking universe is connected. Um, you'll meet a character that's that's you know the son or the cousin of some major character in another book. And there's this whole history behind every yeah. person that's so like thoroughly thought out. Right. It's 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 staggering the amount of work right. he's put into things that don't even necessarily wind up in the book you're reading. Yeah, exactly. It might it might get touched on in another book or another story exactly. at some point, but it all exists in his mind, and right. that, that that's incredible. That's, that's when you know. That's when you know you're in good hands with someone. Exactly. Is that so- someone had thought it through? Because when you talk about the ephemeral. Shit, you talk about the surface shit and you're watching a movie you're watching a tv show and i can always pick up in maybe an episode or so even less than an episode if a show is going to be really surface like for like for me sadly enough i think that that uh that bates motel show is super surface Right. And it sucks because I really like the the background. I'm a big fan of Psycho. I'm a big fan of that uh, of that series of that mythology. But right. ba- but Batesman Patel compared to Hannibal, Hannibal mm. is such a deep fucking show, and and Bates Motel is so surface. It doesn't care about anything but just the run of the mill TV plot lines over and over and over again. Mm. I, I think I think one of the the uh, most uh, the most distinct <coughs> distinctions <laughs> between uh, stories is something uh, Tarantino was once talking about. Like whenever he's casting people for a new movie or something, if they read the script and come to him with questions about their character or a certain story point or whatever, right. it, it is his job as the creator yeah. to have an answer to right. every single question, to have right. thought that world out so completely right. that he knows the entire history behind exactly. Inglorious Bastards or Django Unchained or whatever exactly. it is. Did this character and, wear glasses when they were a child? He should be yeah. able to answer that. Yeah, yeah. Able to answer that. Why, why does this character have a scar around his neck? Mm-hmm. Things like that. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm a big part of that. Like stylistic and and visual and and auditory stuff uh, is fantastic. I mean, you could you know I I, I love I do love filmmakers. I love 
love yeah. autism, but uh, honestly, uh, the technical stuff has to support good performance and good storytelling. Otherwise, I- I'm not going to be interested in it. I, I mean, it does. I mean, th- th- there are there are movies I've seen before that have looked absolutely gorgeous. But... I mean, honestly, we just talked about it. I mean, Transformers Four is an incredibly technical. It's an incredible technical achievement. It's a fucking when to so talk about what uh, what. Hollywood filmmaking can do. I mean, you can tell that the money is on the screen. The money is on the screen, but it doesn't. Sure. But, but, but at it, the service exactly. of what? At the service, exactly. You're you're <laughs> forsaking storytelling and performance and all these other things. So, yeah. like, if you're just a technical person, I mean, like Christopher Nolan can deliver you on a lot of different things, not just the visuals. You know. He can he, uh, Hitchcock can de- deliver you and all that stuff. The Masters, fucking Kurosawa. Kurosawa yeah. knew how to deliver performance as well as spectacle, and that's what makes great filmmakers. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into recommendations. Uh, yeah. We've we've had a, a damn good talk, and I actually I yeah. could talk to you for another two hours, dude. But Love um, to. we should at some point. At some point, let's just fucking marathon it. Let's five hour this shit. Just <laughs> let's do it. Let's let's <laughs> make a Transformers Four podcast. Just. <laughs> Just, just the length. It has to be at least as long as the fucking movie. It has to, with credits, exactly. With credits. Um, this is a, a, a kind of a, a more recent uh, segment, but it's becoming something that uh, that I, I I really like to pick the guest's mind on. And this is our recommendation section. So yeah. do you have something that you would like to recommend to our listeners? It could be any sort of media, anything that you want them to watch or read or listen to or anything. Okay. Um, when you first mentioned this to me in the email, my immediately my immediate thought was, okay, I really don't want to half-ass this. This has to be something that I, that I love that nobody else listening to this podcast, except for maybe Eric Sippel, knows about. <laughs> so um, my recommendation for you and for your listeners is an anime series entitled Bacano that nice. I saw for the first time last year. Are you familiar with this at all? Just just by name. I don't know anything else about it. Yeah. Um, it's <coughs> Story-wise, it is extremely hard to pitch. I will tell you that it's centered around uh, in, ni- in 1930s Prohibition era Manhattan, mm. uh, an immortality elixir that was created a while back is rediscovered, and bunch a bunch of different characters cross paths with it and their lives are irrevocably irrevocably oh fuck i can't get that word out that's a hard word irrevocably there you go there you go changed by it nice (laughs) and and the the best way i know how to pitch this series the reason i love it is is weirdly mainly style stuff even Uh though it's a a very intricate story If if you can imagine a combination of Boardwalk Empire style prohibition mafia thriller mm-hmm. with like pulp fiction magnolia nonlinear storytelling nice. fuckery with spooky supernatural almost bordering on Ghostbusters kind of stuff. Hell yeah. With anime insanity thrown in for good measure. That's a lot. Bacano ba- is the series for you, and it's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> and and for all of the for all of the crazy shit happening in it. There's it's it's a 16 episode uh, series, but like the actual series finale is episode 
is episode 13. The last three episodes were direct-to-DVD episodes. Oh, okay. there's, there's There's a moment at the beginning of episode 13 that is one of the single most emotionally moving things I've ever seen in anything. It, it's a It's a moment that takes something that has been played for laughs the entire series up to that point and puts this incredibly moving spin on it that I did not see coming at all and like I collapsed into a pile of tears when I saw it. Holy it was shit, incredible. The, the most the, emotional one of the most emotional things you've ever seen and this is coming from a man who's seen 500 movies in a year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> good way, good way to uh, assist my pitch. That's very like of you. <laughs> Don't tell me that I'm not a, a hockey fan at least. Uh, how how available is it? Is it something available on the DVD or is it streaming or what? Uh, you can get you can definitely get it on Amazon for like thirty bucks. I'm positive you can stream it somewhere. It may even be on YouTube if you want to watch it that nice. way. Nice. Yeah. Are just, you just, just look for it? It's available. How much of a purist are you when it comes to that? Do you watch uh, subtitles, or or are you a, a, a fan, or or can you at least put up with dubs? With anime? Yeah. Um. It honestly, it depends on what it is. Um. I last year I had a friend who was getting me re- like more into anime than I had been in the past, and. Right. Uh, she mainly watched dubs, and for series, if they're put out by Funimation or I think Aniplex is the other big one, those dubs are generally excellent, mm-hmm. and that's that's a perfectly legitimate way to watch them. Right. But if if the story, like especially for features, if the story is something a little more real world, like Akira or right. like the, or like The Wind Rises that just came out, which right. is like a, a biopic that ha- just happens to have fantastical elements in it, then I think you want to go with the subtitles. Right. That 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 adds to the world a little bit. So it's been so long since I was really deep in that that uh, that medium because I mean there was a time when I could rattle off what uh, what studios did good dubs and which ones you wanted to always do subs with. It was just yeah. absolutely horrendous. You absolutely horrendous English subs. I mean English dubs right. are are <laughs> things that you need to watch out for. Um, <laughs> Man, I, w- I went to, I'll just say this really quick, uh, Akira is my favorite anime film Hell in yeah. general, and uh, I watched it for the first time, the original Japanese language track with subtitles. Um, last year I went to an anime convention in Atlanta in September, and they were showing like the restored Blu-ray print yeah. of Akira or whatever, yeah. and it and it had a new uh, e- English track with it that they were showing it with. Mm-hmm. And I went in there, I was super pumped to watch the movie, no. and as soon as and as soon as they started talking, like the magic was ruined. Oh. Like, like, like I sat through it for the next two hours, but it just I could not accept it as the Akira that I knew and loved. It, 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 it may have been a really good dub, but oh. I'll never know because it wasn't what I originally saw. That's like giving. That's like, hey kid, you're sitting in Santa's lap. Here's the thing that you always wanted, but I pissed all over it. You know exactly. That's horrible, man. Um, <clears throat> I've been. Uh, you can hear it already. I've been. Uh, you know, me- mentioning that I was uh, sick this past week. I, I'm just getting over uh, a viral infection. But one of the things that it did afford me was to rewatch a little TV show called The Wire. Oh, yeah. My, I, I, I have only ever seen the first episode. Oh, my God, Joe. <laughs> we need th- 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 – this is going to be the casual uh, person. You, ha- you haven't seen that show? You I need haven't. to watch it. 
Man, you seriously I, I, do need to watch it. I, I feel like this year we're going to be doing a podcast called Wires Get In Your Ears, and I'm going to be watching this for you, the first time, too. You, you pitched it. It's happening. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. It, I haven't watched it since it ended in 2008, so I hadn't watched it at all as a series either, um, all at once. I, I hadn't watched an episode, much less a season, much less the whole the whole show. So, 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 so you watched this originally as it aired? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I let's awesome. see. I yeah, yeah. For the most part, um, I think I came into watching it on a weekly basis in the third season, or maybe the fourth season. Um, but anyway, uh, watching it was. It, here's the weird thing that between 2008 and now. Obviously, there have been some big banner series, you know, and yeah. one of the major ones is is Breaking Bad. Obviously, I was such a big fan of Breaking Bad. Uh, right. Watched it all the way uh, through. Watched it while it was airing and everything. Um, and when it ended, in my mind, it has matched the wire. In my mind, it has like become in the pantheon of television. Uh, it's up there with the Sopranos and and The Wire and these these shows that were building big worlds. Be uh, Battlestar Galactica lost, but really the biggest one, you know, it was always top echelon. The one always on the top of my list is The Wire. So it's been so long. There's been so dis- so much distance there that in my mind it kind of gotten it's gotten mixed up that maybe Breaking Bad is as good or maybe it surpasses The Wire. Um, so. I, I said, you know, well, I'm, I'm sick, you know, I can't really get out of bed. Um, maybe it's a perfect time to, to binge watch it. And I haven't done this, uh, I haven't done this in a long time. I usually, when I do uh, get really sick, I love to, to binge watch something. So the last time that I was really sick, I, I, uh, I pretty much watched uh, three or four seasons of Supernatural and got up on that show. But um, here's the thing, you know, rewatching The Wire, I got to say... It all comes back to me now. Why it's why it it, it was number one and why it still is number one. It held and up. It held up. It held up. Um, that show handles storytelling, callbacks, character, um, and all of the social agenda that it has to get across in in whatever season. Um, it handles it perfectly. It is the least flawed show that I've ever seen. And that's saying something because I think that Breaking Bad is pretty flawless too. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close to it. If pretty anything. close, pretty yeah. close. But watching The Wire, man, I got to say, I'm, I, 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 I have to say that uh, I'm very close to the end of season five, the last season. Mm-hmm. And um, man, it's just, it's firing on all cylinders. Even the things that I had uh, qualms with uh, in season five, um, Play play so much better looking at the big picture, not not watching them week to week. So I did want to say that you know having watched it again and kind of reacclimating, re realigning the way that I remembered the show, um, that it holds up and it still is 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 a powerhouse when it comes to 
the thing that kind of is the the most inspiring thing of, of, about media, and it's kind of that thing that that TV does so well. It's the it's the serialization, the ability to make something a novel. Uh, each season of the of the Wire is like a chapter in a novel, or it's a novel in a series. Right. And each thing, I have never seen a show that handles callbacks and and building on previous episodes and seasons and character arcs in such a perfect way. Everything talks back to where it came from. It, there's no resetting the slate or erasing the slate like uh, like Dexter does. Mm-hmm. Um, every season means something. All the pieces matter. That's a that's a line from the show. All the pieces matter, and it really uh-huh. does with the show. That's awesome, man. Uh, I, I will say this: like I've actually seen the first episode twice. Like there there have been two different occasions on which I've intended to. Okay, now I'm going to get into the series. Yeah. But on both of those occasions, and it's the same experience I had with uh, the first episode of Mad Men, which I had also watched twice before right. we started this new podcast craziness. I like this very much, but it seems very dense, and I don't have the attention span for That's... it right now. I, I have seven other movies to watch today. I agree. I, I, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I I can agree with you there. Um, what you're getting into mm-hmm. is something commi- that... I feel like it's going to be a commitment. You yes, have you have to be ready one. for it. You have yeah. to be ready for that denseness. Because, honestly, this is especially true of probably the first three seasons maybe in the fir- even the first four seasons it takes about three episodes two or three episodes at the beginning of each season to kind of set everything up so those three for those first three episodes they're dense with with kind of plot with what characters you're going to get and kind of injecting you with with the setting and the point of this season like the mission statement right. so yeah it, it you should watch the show if you are gung-ho about watching the show. You should not watch the show just because you want to check it off your checklist. Right. Yeah. I definitely plan to. Do it, do it Joe. Do it, do it soon. I'm, do, I'm, I'm, I'm building myself up in the same way to watch Friday Night Lights. Which I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that show either. Yeah, I can't wait to, to watch it. That's one of those shows that has been on the list for a while. And I told my yeah. friend Fernando that I would watch it. Anyway, Joe, great conversation, man. We're going to do it again soon. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me on, man. It's been so much fun. Yeah, dude. We're going to do it soon. Cool, man. Yep. Have a good night, dude. You too. Talk to you later. See ya. There's a place where lovers go To cry their troubles away And they call it Lonesome Town Where the broken heart stays You can buy a dream or two To last you all through the years And the only price you pay Is a heart full of tears Going down to Lonesome Town Where the broken heart stays Going down to Lonesome Town 
crying my troubles away in the town of broken dreams the streets are filled with regret maybe down in lonesome town I can learn to forget Maybe down in lonesome town I can learn to forget 